It is so good to be back here with you today and coming into a day like today and thinking of my final day with you as your interim pastor, I really have been praying, what is it that God is leading me to share with each of you individually with the folks of Marbley Baptist? And here's what God has put on my heart. I want to talk to you today about life's highest calling. What is the highest calling. And to do that, we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bibles with you, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 4, if you're new to Bible study, it's a great book to find, the first book of the New Testament. We're going to be looking at chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. So if you're physically able, could you stand now in honor of God as we read his word and listen to his word and believe? Mark 4, verse 18. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. Lord, we need you. And we pray today that through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the Word of God, that you will speak to all of us right where we live. And Father, today, may you make clear to all of us life's highest calling. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. What is the highest calling? Is it to be a teacher and shape and mold lives? Is it to be a public servant, maybe President of the United States? Is it to be in full-time vocational ministry? That's certainly a high calling. Is it to be a pastor? Is it to be a missionary? leaving your native land for another culture. It is none of these. Life's highest calling is to follow Jesus, to be a Christian. And the great thing about this is the calling extended to every single person in this room and those of you joining us by live video feed. It is a calling for everyone. Now, let's think for a moment. What is a calling? What is a calling? Let's talk about this a second. A calling is God's will for your life. It is the will of God in your life. Not only that, a calling involves sacrifice. It involves a willingness to leave the familiar to go to the unfamiliar 
in order to fulfill the will of God in your life. It involves sacrifice, but it always involves a step of faith. If there is a calling of God that involves sacrifice of leaving the familiar to go to the unfamiliar, it is always a step of faith. Today, my oldest son, who's a pastor, who's been pastoring in Columbia, South Carolina, is preaching at a church in Birmingham, Alabama, in view of a call to be their new pastor this very day. It is a decision he has been seeking to understand in determining the will of God to leave what is very familiar, a church that they have loved there in South Carolina, and to get out of the familiar, to go to the unfamiliar and into the unknown, to follow the will of God. That is what is involved in a calling. So you're talking about perhaps moving from one job to another. You're talking about being a single adult and being called into marriage, which means leaving the familiar of being a single adult to go into the unfamiliar of committing your life to someone else. We think about Abraham, the great example of faith who left what is modern day Iraq to follow the call of God and to be willing to leave the familiar and go to a land where he knew not where he was going to sacrifice all that he knew and to go to the unfamiliar by stepping out on faith. So life's highest calling is to follow Jesus. And what that means is you're willing to sacrifice in order to give up what you desire for your life and be willing to step out on faith to follow Jesus to go wherever he is leading you to go for the rest of your life. That's the highest calling. Have you responded to that call? Now I'm not talking about do you believe with your mind that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross and rose from the dead. There's so many people filling our churches that think they're Christian because they believe that intellectually. But that doesn't make you a Christian. You have to believe that with your mind as the first step of the calling, but the calling is to follow Jesus, to trust Christ with your life, your future, to give up your priorities for his priorities, to give up what is familiar and living your life to the best way you feel you can live it, to follow Jesus. That is the highest calling in life. And it's a calling that is extended to everyone here today. So in that light, Let's look at the very first calling of the very first disciples and followers of Jesus. Look back at Matthew 4, verse 18. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Now, understand this. Jesus is in the early days of his ministry. And in the early days of his ministry, he spent a lot of time around the Sea of Galilee. If you ever, if it's possible in your life, if you can afford it, ever have a chance to go to Israel, it's extraordinary what it's like to see those spots where Jesus walked and where all these biblical events took place. It just enriches your faith tremendously. And one of those places is the Sea of Galilee because so much about the Sea of Galilee today looks like it did in Jesus' day. So he's walking along the Sea of Galilee. He sees these two fishermen Andrew and Peter, and he extends the call for them to follow him. Now, what is involved in following someone? 
First of all, you got to trust them. You got to trust them. If you're going to follow somebody else, you've got to trust them to know that they have your best interests at heart, to know that they really know how to get you where you need to go. It involves trust. But secondly, you've got to go at their pace. If you're going to follow someone, you can't get too far in front of them because you'll have no idea where you're supposed to go. If you get too far behind them, you'll lose sight of them. You'll then be lost again. So you've got to stay at their pace, but that's not all. You've got to stay focused on them. You can't let them get out of your sight. You've got to stay focused there in order to not lose that relationship with them. But then fourthly, you've got to do what they do. Now, I realize this will be hard for some of you to understand because you're young and you're not ancient like I am that have lived a lot of years. But there was a time, there was a time where you would go into a city that you were unfamiliar with and you were trying to get somewhere and we didn't have, believe, believe it or not, we didn't have a cell phone. Can you imagine? We didn't even have Waze or Google Map or anything like that. And so we'd go into a new city and we'd get lost and we'd have to do something shocking. We'd have to stop and ask directions. Can you imagine? And when we'd stop and ask directions, usually the man was a bit reluctant on that. The wife just said, we need to ask somebody, man, I, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. Finally, finally the man would say, I gotta stop and get some help here. And so when you stop to get help for directions, you gotta decide one thing, can I trust this person to know that they have enough knowledge to get me to where I need to go? That's the first decision you make. And then if they're a real nice person, they said, look, I know this is a big city and you're unfamiliar here, you just follow me. You just follow me, I'll get you where you need to go. Well, that'd be terrific to have somebody to be willing to do that. So then you not only gotta trust them, that's the first decision you make, but you've got to then stay focused on them because you can't get ahead of them or too far behind them or you'll lose track of that. Then you got to go at their pace because if you're out of their pace, you're gonna get distracted and out of the way, but then you gotta do what they do. If they go to the left, you gotta go left. If they go to the right, you gotta go right. If they keep going straight, you gotta go straight. That's what's involved in following another person. And that's what Jesus is talking to us about today. If you're gonna follow Jesus, the first decision you've gotta make is do I trust him? Do I trust that he's really the son of God? Do I trust that he really knows what, God is, what is God's best for my life? Do I trust that he really knows the way for me to walk and the way for me to go? Do I trust that he knows more about my life than I know about my life? Do I trust that he can get me to heaven? That he can save me from my sin and save me from death and save me from hell? in order to get me to where I need to go ultimately in our life, which is heaven? Do you trust him? You gotta be willing to trust him. But then you got to stay focused on him. How do you do that? Well, a key way to stay focused on Jesus is found right here in this book, the Bible. Do you believe the Word of God enough to trust and obey the Word of God? Now, if I ask if you believe that this is the Word of God, you can say easily, yes, but you don't show that you believe the Word of God until you trust Jesus enough to obey the Word of God. 
But you also need to pray. Because in a daily time alone with God, which is so essential in staying focused on Jesus, we're listening to God through his word. And then we talk to God, sharing what's on our heart, sharing our fears, sharing our anticipation, sharing the, the situations we're dealing with that day and the days ahead. We need that time alone with God to stay focused on the Lord. But not only that, we need worship with other believers. You know, there's something about coming together and worshiping with other believers that encourages us and we encourage them. Those of you that are joining us by live video feed, we're so glad that you're joining us today. But understand this as we're coming out of COVID, if you're physically able, you need to be here in worship. You need to be here. Because in the word of God, it says, do not neglect the gathering together. Why? Because we encourage one another and we are able to be encouraged by them. If you're physically able and you're still joining worship by live video feed, it's time to be back here worshiping with fellow believers because these people here need you. They need you. And that's how we stay in tune with the Lord. But not only that, we've got to go at his pace. If he stops and waits for a while, we've got to wait. You're in a waiting time as a body of Christ waiting on that new pastor. And that's not easy. Waiting times are not easy. But if we're following Jesus, we not only got to stay focused on him, but we've got to go at his pace. But not only that, as we follow Jesus, we also realize that we've got to submit to his lead and do what he does. Now, what does that mean? That means to obey the commands of God under the power of the Holy Spirit. It means to allow the Holy Spirit to shape our life into becoming more and more like Jesus, that is more and more like the spirit and the character of Jesus. And when we do that, then we understand what it's like to follow him. Now question, question. In every church, you're gonna have tons of cultural Christians. You've heard me talk about it. People who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, believe he died on the cross. They believe the Bible is true, but they've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And that's some of you. This church ain't gonna be different from other churches. There's some of you that have never made the decision to follow Jesus to surrender your agenda and your priorities and what you feel is best about being a Christian and to follow Jesus wherever he's leading you to go, to do whatever he wants you to do. Are you willing to do that? Now, question, question. It says in this passage in Matthew 4, 18 through 20, in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. That's Andrew and Peter. And then it says about John and James, immediately they left their boat to follow Jesus. Now, question, come on, come on. Some misty-eyed guy walks up and you're at your job doing your work and you've never seen this guy before and he says, I want you to follow me. Now, come on, come on. Are you going to do that? I don't think I could do that. And this is where we need to study Scripture in light of Scripture. Turn to the Gospel of John. If you're new to Bible study, it's the fourth Gospel. 
Matthew is the first gospel, then you've got Mark, then you've got Luke, and then you've got John. And in John 1, we read about that time where John the Baptist was out in the wilderness. People were flocking to him. There was a great revival going on, and they were coming to be baptized in the Jordan River. And Jesus walks up to be baptized. It's a fascinating scene, but look what happens after that. Verse 35 of John 1. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. Who were those two? And he looked at Jesus as Jesus walked up and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and he said, what do you see? And they said to him, well, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said, well, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Now these two disciples spend the whole day visiting with Jesus. Who are these two? Verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and had been following John was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. In other words, this is the Messiah that Jewish people knew had been prophesied about in hundreds of years they've been looking for the coming of the Messiah. So Andrew brought his brother Peter to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, which means to us today, Rocky. In other words, Andrew spends a whole day visiting with Jesus because John the Baptist points to him as the, the Lamb of God. And he is so overwhelmed when he has this full day of visiting and listening to Jesus at the feet of Jesus that the first thing Andrew does, he wants to go tell his brother, Simon Peter. And so he brings Simon Peter to meet Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. He says, I know who you are. I'm going to give you a nickname, Rocky. That's really what Peter means. And how do you think Simon Peter responds? Well, man, he just, he puffs his chest out. This guy knows me. To nickname me Rocky, I mean, he knows me. And you see what's happening here. Jesus is spending this time with Andrew and Peter. This is before Matthew 4, 18 through 22. And that's not all. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 5. Turn to Luke chapter 5. That's the earlier gospel right before John. And we see more insight about the calling of these early disciples. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, that is Jesus, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and they were washing their nets. In other words, as is the custom of the Sea of Galilee, most of the fishermen fish all night, so hot during the day. So now they're cleaning their nets and tending their nets after all night fishing. And Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And he asked him to put a little way out from the land and he sat down and he began to teach the people from the boat. Now understand this y'all, don't overlook this. First of all, Andrew spent all day with Jesus. And then Andrew, as he so often does in his ministry, bringing people to Jesus, the first person he brings to Jesus is Simon Peter, his brother. And so they've had that time with him They've spent time with him and they're seeing him teach on the land and they're seeing the crowds around him. They've probably already seen some miracles and the crowds are so great that Jesus asked Simon if he could get in the boat just to have a little distance from the crowd so that he can teach them a few feet out in the water there. 
And so Simon agrees to that. And Simon and Andrew are hearing him teach the word of God to the people. Look at what happened. It says, when he finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Simon, now put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, well, master, now note the word he said, master. We worked hard all night and we caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. Now, folks, this is comical. There are a lot of you in business and in your vocation. You may have respect for the preacher and the pastor, but you know he doesn't know nothing about your business. And here's this preacher telling these fishermen who know a whole lot more about fishing than he does. This preacher saying, now, after they've been all night, they hadn't caught anything. Now, if you'll just go out and cast your nets the way I'm telling you to, you'll have a big catch. Come on. Simon Peter's looking at him, but out of respect for the preacher, even though he knows no preacher would know more about his business than, than they do. But he does what this preacher tells him to do. Out of respect, look what happened. Verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat. Who is that? That's James and John, for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, so that the boats began to sink with all the fish. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord for I am a sinful man. For amazement seized him and all his companions because of the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on you'll be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Now does it begin to make a little sense? It wasn't the case of some misty-eyed prophet walking up in a white robe and these rugged fishermen just drop everything and follow him. It didn't happen that way. They'd spent a full day with Jesus. They'd listened to Jesus. They'd seen him teach. But then, but then, Jesus showed these rugged fishermen that he knew more about the fishing business than they did. And Peter realized what a sinner he was. Just being in the presence of Jesus. And he knew he wasn't worthy to be close to Jesus. He said, I, I need to be away from you, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. Now, everybody, listen. Are you listening? Don't miss this. The reason some of you are not Christian today, even though many of you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you believe the Bible, you believe he rose from there, but the reason some of you are not Christian today is you've never gone through a conviction of sin, of realizing that you're not basically good, but you are a sinner that deserves the judgment of God. And because you've never experienced that, that's why you're not really in the kingdom of God. When Peter realized who Jesus is and that he was a man unlike any other man and he knew more about the fishing business than he knew, he began to realize what a sinner he was and unworthy to be next to a holy God. But how did Jesus respond to that? 
He called him anyway to follow him and told him he'd be in a new kind of fishing business if he did so. And after all that Peter and Andrew had seen of Jesus at this point, then they left their nets and followed him as did James and John because of what they had seen and heard. How about you? Are you really a follower of Jesus? Have you ever come to a point in your life where you realize you really do not deserve to be in heaven because you're never going to be good enough for that? Have you come to understand the holiness and the greatness and the goodness of Jesus so much for who he is and what he's done that you realize you deserve the judgment of God? But you cry out for the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God, and he grants that to you. That's what's involved in being a follower of Jesus. So are you? Really, really. Have you responded to the highest calling in life to follow Jesus? Now, turn back to Matthew 4, our text for today, and look at what Jesus says in verse 19. He says to them to follow him. That's the highest calling in life. And then he says, I will make you fishers of men. Now, here's the mission when you begin to be a follower of Christ. You see, the highest calling in life is not to reach people for Christ. The highest calling in life is to follow Jesus. And then when you become a follower of Jesus, he teaches us and disciples us on our mission, which is to be fishers of men. So, what do good fishermen do? What do good fishermen do? Yes, thank you. Number one, a good fisherman, what, what does a good fisherman do? They got to have the right equipment. You, you, you got to have the right equipment, whether it's rod and reels or nets, you've got to have the right equipment. Secondly, you got to go where the fish are. You, have, you may have all the right equipment, you may be a trained fisherman, but if you go to a pond that's not stocked, you're not going to catch any fish. You may be determined, but you're not going to catch any fish. You gotta go where the fish are. Not only that, you gotta have the right bait. You gotta have the right lures. You gotta have the right bait for certain kind of fish. Not only that, you gotta have the right timing. You may know where the fish are. You may have the right equipment and the right bait, but if it's not the right time, they're not gonna bite. And then fifth, you gotta be able to reel them in to draw the net. It's one thing to get them hooked, but if you can't reel them in, you had not caught the fish. Now, I want you to know, I'm not a good fisherman. And one of the ways I was a sorry dad is I bet I only took my boys fishing two or three times. Isn't that awful? I know, we played a lot of ball together. We did a lot of stuff in sports, but I'm not a fisherman. But my middle son is some kind of fisherman. I mean, he's a serious fisherman. He's a fly fisherman. He ties flies by the hundreds. He's got whole big old containers of all the flies that he's tied through the years. I mean, he's a serious fisherman. So much so that he's now got a place down on the western Gulf Coast. But I think this weekend, he's down there. You know what he's doing fishing? I hope he's in church, but he's probably out, he's probably out fishing right now because he loves fishing. 
and he's good at it. And you know what? Every time I go with my son fishing, we catch all kind of fish. He's got the right equipment. He knows where the fish are. He's got the right bait, the right lures. We go out the right timing. When we're staying with him at his place there in Florida, we, we just, why are we going out? Well, it's not the right time. Just wait a little while. He also knows how to reel them in. And that's true for any of you who are good fishermen. So think about that when it comes to being a fisher of men. Number one, you've got to have the right equipment. What is the right equipment? Well, once again, it is the Word of God. That's the right equipment when it comes to be a fisherman. Man, we need to know and study the Word of God so that we'll know what it means to follow Jesus and be an fisherman of men. But not only that, the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? It is that Christ died for your sins and Christ rose from the dead. That is the gospel. And a person is called to make a decision about the gospel. Do you believe it first with your mind? That's the first step, but that doesn't save you. That doesn't make you become a Christian. Then you have to be willing to put your trust in Jesus as the Son of God, as your only hope for salvation, your only hope for eternal life. You see, the gospel in the Word of God, that's the right equipment. But you also got to go where the fish are. And oh, how many in the church struggle here. I've talked to you before about how so many get so excited about fellowship in the church and your Christian friends and all the fun of Christian fellowship that after a while you live in a holy huddle of just being around Christians and you know what a huddle looks like from the outside. It's just a bunch of big old rear ends. It's not real attractive. And that's how the church looks to so many people outside the church. You've got your exclusive club with one another. But we go where the fish are. What kind of relationships are you building with people at the office, in your school, in your neighborhood that are not followers of Christ? How are you reaching out to them? How are you building those relationships? You've got to go where the fish are. But thirdly, there's another thing, and that is you also have to have the right bait. What does that mean? That means to show an interest in their interest. In other words, when you're building a relationship with them and they're a serious Aggie, don't talk about your love for the Longhorns. Show an interest in their interest. If they're into fishing, maybe you're a sorry fisherman, but just ask them questions about where they go fishing and what fish they like to catch, what kind of bait they like to use. If they're into music, you may be Johnny One Note, but you just try to ask them questions about the kind of music, like, like classical music, like country music. Get them to talk about their interest. Be unselfish enough to show an interest in their interest. But not only that, it's one thing to have the right bait, but you've got to have the right timing. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody you share Christ with is going to come to Christ because that's not going to be the case. But you do want the Holy Spirit to guide you in when to speak up and share your testimony or share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can charge out in the flesh today and in the process not see much results. Or you can be led by the Holy Spirit about the timing of when to speak. Now, here's the problem on the other side of that. So many of you that the Holy Spirit has been leading for so much of your life and following Jesus, you have never followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So afraid you might offend someone. Well, look, if the Holy Spirit is leading you to share the good news of the gospel, you leave the results up to God. 
and be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit when there's an opportunity to share this good news. But fifth, you've got to be willing to reel them in and call for a decision. This is where so many followers of Jesus struggle. And a lot of times it's related to your personality. You know, through the years, I would hear growing up that people would talk about so-and-so ought to be in sales because they just love people. They, they were great with people. And I was in sales a few years. I was in the business world when I finished college before I was called into vocational ministry. And I want you to know, it's not about loving people and getting along with people. Great salespeople know how to call for the order. And they're willing to do so. I've kidded my wife, Ann. She's, nobody is better with people than my wife, Ann. But the last thing she'd want to do is be in sales and have to call for the order. She'll tell you that. She's great with people. But she doesn't want to call for the order. And so many Christians are like that. You cover those first four steps when it's time to ask for the question. You're so reluctant. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you courage. And here's some things you can do. You can ask that person, say, you know, we've been talking about this. Is there any, anything that's holding you back from making this decision to follow Jesus? Then you're giving them an opportunity to share. If they have some objections, you listen respectfully. Hear what they've got to say. If you can't answer their questions, you can say, well, let me get back with you. I, I don't know how to respond to that, but I'll be glad to get back with you. And if they don't really have any objections or reasons of why they're not following Jesus, you can say, well, would you be open to me praying with you today about making this decision? Just simply offer to pray for them, and you can lead them in a prayer of trusting Christ in order to follow Jesus. But when it comes to fishing for men, we have to be willing to call for the decision and for a person to realize that is a part of the process. Are you willing? Here's what I hope all of you are hearing and remembering today at Moberly. The highest calling in life is not to be a good religious person. The highest calling in life is not to go and reach people of Christ. The highest calling in life is not to care for the poor and the needy. The highest calling in life is to follow Jesus. That's the highest calling. And when you respond to that calling in faith, then Christ disciples us through his word, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit as we follow him to be fishers of men. Moberly, my prayer for you in these days when you continue to wait with anticipation for God's leading on your new pastor, may you follow Jesus daily. And may you go fishing. Fishing for men. Are you willing? Let's pray. Father God, there are bound to be people that are joining us by live video feed or here in this room. 
A lot of those people believe that you're the son of God. They believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. They believe the Bible is true, but they're not yet a follower. They've never gone through a time of conviction of their sin, of realizing they really deserve your judgment. They really deserve damnation and hell because of their sin, but they cry out to you and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for trying to be a Christian on my own or the way I feel is best. Forgive me of all the sins and ways I've left you, let you down. Lord, if there's a person here today that you, the Holy Spirit, are convicting of their sin, may they cry out to you in faith, in faith alone, faith alone in Jesus to save them, to make them right with you. Right now, Lord. May they reach out to you in prayer, in faith. May they say to you, Lord, forgive me. I'm willing to let go of what's familiar and respond to this highest calling in life and follow you from here on out. May it be. And Lord, for those who are followers of Jesus, you make it so clear that you want us to become fishers of men. Lord, there are a lot of Christians in this room and they really do believe that when their next pastor is called that his first priority is going to be to care for the members. Oh Lord, may that Christian repent of that today. For the next pastor's calling is going to be to extend the invitation for people to follow Jesus and to lead the congregation in going fishing for those who are not here, for those who are not of us. Oh Lord, for the followers of Jesus here today in this waiting time in Moberly's history, oh Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may you be convicting that person right where they live about that family member, that coworker, that neighbor, that friend who just doesn't know Jesus to reach out to them to go fishing oh Lord may it be Father we pray this prayer in Jesus name Amen you know as we're gathered here today there are bound to be some of you that know you need to make that decision to follow Jesus or today you're making it and some of your ministers are going to be down front and we invite you to come while Tim is leading in a worship song and just come and take the hand of one of these ministers and they'll be glad to pray with you and you can really get clarity of what it means to follow Jesus and if you're not willing to come forward there'll be some ministers and volunteers in the hospitality suite out in the foyer but man how good it would be for you to have the courage to stand before God and these people here and say, I want to follow Jesus. So will you come as the Lord is leading as we worship the Lord together?